Welcome to episode 11 of the Ralph Peterson Podcast, the podcast that gives you tips and strategies to help you become an effective manager. Today's episode is titled Setting Your Team Up for Success. In this episode, Ralph interviews Patty Mara, speaker and entrepreneur that helps businesses enhance their customer experiences. Before we hop into the show, I don't want to forget to mention that Ralph has a new book coming out this month entitled The Good Manager Being Great is Overrated. You can download your free chapter and learn more at thegoodmanagerbook.com. I hope you enjoy the show. Until next time, stay well and take care. We're on. So how you been? <laughs> Good. Now, is this, you're launching into the podcast? You want to get it? A- right yeah, we're just going to have a conversation. That sounds good. That you know, sounds good. What I, what I fear is that um, if I didn't and we had like a little chit chat before we started the show, we'd get all the good stuff out of the way. And then we'd be like referring back to stuff. <laughs> Nobody got that time for that. So I like to just jump right in. Sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Honestly, are you doing well? You know what? I'm, uh, I am doing well, just like everyone else. Um, th- we're going through a period of crisis, chaos, and change. Um, business-wise, uh, I mean, that's the change is what I do. I work with companies to position themselves based on the value they provide. Yeah. So what I see has happened with the, um, the business impact of the global pandemic is it's accelerated the trends that I was already talking about. Oh, very cool. <laughs> right? So literally overnight, um, we've gone to customer-centric solution-based businesses. And if you're not doing that, you're out of business. So for business-wise, I, you know, this has increased the demand for what I do. Well, that's great. However, I would say, you know, I've been very conscious of even if this is, you recognize this as a time of opportunity. And I think we'll reflect back that this is actually a time of opportunity for everyone. Um, But we also have to deal with the emotional impact of change and impose change. Uh, I had a client say his experience was that we're all going through the five stages of grief. And as soon as he said that, it was like, yes. Because even though I'm excited, all of the structure that I'd put in place has shifted, has changed, yeah. right? All the, sh- all the patterns have been interrupted. And it's a wonderful opportunity to redesign and, you know, just being consciously aware that we're going through something right now. One of my favorite little anecdotal stories is uh, told by a guy named Brian Tracy. Do you know who Brian Tracy is? I do, but, yes. So. He's obviously like a, a huge guru when it comes to motivation and sales and all that personal development, truly. And he has this great story about Albert Einstein. And when he was teaching at university, Dr. Einstein gave the second, gave the same class, the same final exam two years in a row. And his teaching assistant was like, uh, Dr. Einstein, didn't you give that same class that same exam last year? And he said, yeah, all well, the answers have changed. <laughs> it's such it's such a brilliant way of highlighting, you know, especially now, you know, just what you're saying, you know, it's a, yeah. uh, the, the, the answers have all changed. The questions are still the same, but all the answers have, have suddenly shifted with this new, this new place that we're finding ourselves in. And I think it's, I think it's been surprisingly rewarding and interesting and 
more difficult in some areas and not so difficult in others to figure out how to do what we do, limiting space and time and availability and the offices and going into work and not going into work and learning how to manage with children. And it's, it's been quite, quite a, quite a ride. I myself have been loving it. This whole working from home. I traveled so much. It's so funny. I used to collect the room key cards and I just <laughs> threw them away because it's getting ridiculous, but I would save one out of every hotel room I, I stayed in. And my goal every year was the same, reduce this stack, reduce this stack. And it just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And this year I have eight. Could you imagine? I only have eight. It's June. It's the greatest. <laughs> yes. And, and, and it's not just that you've chosen to travel less, but because you can't, people are expecting to connect with you in a different way. So, so the connection's increasing. Mm -hmm. And yet the required travel and, and cost of that's not there. It's I 100% agree. So great. So let's, let's go back. Let's go back. I, I'm super interested in, in the whole point of, of having you on and, and having a conversation with you is I'm, I'm a management trainer. So I work in management development and, and I work an awful lot with the super worker who's transitioning into a supervisor position. And so it's that rubber meets the road kind of place where I spend a great deal of my time. And so I'm really curious as to how you yourself got your start. When, when did you, when did somebody say, you know, who'd be really good at being in charge? Patty. When did that happen? <laughs> um, well, I would say that actually um, happened in my 30s. So I have, a, I have a background, an entrepreneurial background you know, mostly um, in the in arena of I was really good at retail training. So even if I got into associations or organizations, you know, very quickly, I was the retail trainer. What's a retail trainer? What does that mean? So someone I'm I um, I'm I'm really good at paying attention to we used to call it customer service. And now, of course, we call it customer experience. There's sure. that added sure. element of being yeah. at, at paying attention to. But, you know, in the early 90s, it was customer service. And I was really good at training people to bridge the gap between what they were doing, what they were offering, and be able to position it as value to their audience. And, and how, how did, to take... How did, you, how did you get to there? How is... Are you... Let me ask you this question. Are you a good mm -hmm. customer? I am. I'm a... Well, I'm... So... Uh, I, I think I'm a good customer. I'm a very good buyer. I'm a horrible shopper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very easily sold. I have to be careful on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. <laughs> you know, when they start coming, it's like, I ordered that. <laughs> her, her name is spelled P-A-T-T-I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Targeting works. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, at the very beginning, the first aha I had was when I was in university and I worked at a small bookstore and it was just, it was a chain bookstore. It was a small chain outlet in a mall. And, but I had a very good manager and the manager, all of us were trained that when a customer's in the store, we stop what we're doing and they had our full attention. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the store. Can I help you Love find that. something? Love that. Right. Yeah. And, and so 
And if they were looking for something, we took them to the section, put the book in their hand. We didn't say it's over there. And if we didn't have it, we saw if we could order it or suggested an alternative. Very simple. If somebody was in the store, we weren't having sidebar conversations. But it was an interesting experience. We, had, we consi consistently had people coming back into the store saying they'd been in most of the stores in the mall, and this was the only store they felt welcome and appreciated in. The team, we had a solid team, mostly part-time, right? This is a small store, mostly university students. And, but we had very low turnover. We had a lot of fun. It was a high energy place to work. We had a lot of team engagement. And um, at the end of the year, we did just over a million dollars gross revenue. And the reason that's significant is we were targeted. This is 87, 88. Um, we were targeted to do half of that. We were targeted, our budget projection was 500,000 gross revenue and we did just over double. Wow. So, um, you know, that's very profitable because yeah. the infrastructure is the same. Yeah. Um, and uh, that really, that got my attention. I would say that's what launched me into the customer service training, the awareness and the experience of both the backstage team engagement and the front stage customer engagement, you know, started me on the path. So um, uh, that was really it. And it, it just, you know, I would train a couple people and they say, well, Patty, you should be on stage, you know, teaching the, you know, the whole company. And, and that led into a business that I work with companies to design their customer experience and their customer service. I love um, that. That's a great I was, story. I was good at building, like I was really good at getting something off the ground but as far as my own business, but I wasn't so good at taking it to the next level. So um, that changed when I came across Strategic Coach, and that was in 1997. So I came across Strategic Coach, and that was really the first time that I had the, the resources, the structure, the infrastructure awareness to take something beyond an idea that I could do and engage it then with the team. So strategic coach, that's like a, a platform for entrepreneurs like yourself, right? So they do kind of like the back office stuff. They help. There's a whole website and they're pushing your product as much as you are. No, they're not pushing your product. It's a, it's a workshop program for entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, a couple things. It's, it's to help you identify what your unique ability is. So what your, what your unique talents are. And then um, how to build a team around you that they team are working in their unique abilities, supporting and leveraging yours. So, and so it's leveraging your ability, it's developing your team. And then it's also shifting into the awareness of how you're projecting value into the marketplace and, and growing significantly going through significant growth structures. So, um, um, you know, if, have you read the e-myth Michael Gerber's book, the e-myth? No. Again, in, in the entrepreneurial world, that's an interesting, the e-myth is the entrepreneurial myth is because you're good at doing a job, you're good at owning a, or running oh, sure. a business, sure. right? So, because same thing in management, you know, just because they're a good worker doesn't mean they make a good manager, you know, we get exactly, that all. Exactly, exactly. And just because they're a good manager doesn't mean they're going to be a ent good entrepreneur. Yeah. They're, they're actually three very different skill sets, doing the no work question. of the business, managing the business and growing the business. Yeah. Um, and so that I needed some of that fill out and that's really where I took off. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's both where I got some good management talent and not just, you know, for me, 
managing a team is very similar to engaging customers or clients. None of it is about the information out. All of it is, are you paying attention to who they are, developing their needs, bringing forth their talents, reinforcing what you want to see, and creating a structure that people get to win in? Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I like, I like that creating a structure or an environment where everyone gets to win. That's huge because that's that means you're creating an environment for success, right? Like, how do you what? How do one of the great questions is how do your leaders in your organization create an environment for success? And that's that's a hard question to answer. So it's a hard one to even chew on. They're like, what do you mean? The actions that we do. But let me ask you this because I I really like. I, the reason I asked if you were a good customer is because I recently had an experience at a Staples store mm-hmm. where I witnessed a customer try to fist fight with an employee. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was the craziest thing ever. And the store was a mess. The store was, I mean, there was writing all of you, you know, you see the riots going on right now mm-hmm. and they're breaking everything mm-hmm. and they're spray painting. Mm-hmm. That's what the inside of this store looked like. Yes. Like the wow. furniture was broken. The, right. the, it was for sale. There was writing on everything. There was, mm-hmm. you know, people would take a, um, they'd take a pen to try it and they'd throw the pen on the floor or they'd chuck it across the room. And the customers that were doing this, of course, are between the ages of seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, yeah, seven and fifteen, right? And they're with their parents. Mm-hmm. It's school time, mm-hmm. and they're getting ready for school, right? So the place is packed for to get back to school supplies. There's mm-hmm. reams of paper and notebooks and pen, you know, the whole thing. And there is a fist fight brewing, brewing between a customer and an employee. The employee is trying to be as polite as possible. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's woman on women, by the way. It's a Mm -hmm. female trying to attack the female person helping. I finally see the manager. The manager comes right over, swoops in, you know, trying to defuse everything. And I waited. I just circled a few times, went over to see the manager as soon as everything's calmed down. And I said, that was crazy. How do you do it? And he said, I'm putting in my notice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he right. said, this is the worst customer's place I've ever worked in. Mm. I've never been, I've been with Staples for many years. I've never worked in an environment where people allow their children to be so unruly. He's like right. the amount, every, every, he said, it's mostly women mm-hmm. coming into that store looking for someone to fight with, to mm-hmm. get into a verbal altercation with. There is mm-hmm. an awful lot of destruction of property. There's an mm-hmm. awful lot of, well, screw this place. They tear a display down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do you, I bring all this up just to say, mm-hmm. how do you coach that team mm. on customer service? Yeah. When your customers are completely out of hand. Um, I, first of all, I think there's a multi-layered, I would have a multi-layered. Interestingly enough, I probably would never be called in to coach that team because what I'm hearing is the management does not respect the team or the customers. Everything is top down. Wow. You got that from what I just said? Yep. When I see, listen, the people who, the companies that call me in 
value customer service, customer experience, and value their frontline workers. They're the ones who invest in them. Yeah. So they ten- tend to be who I get to work with. So you don't, you're, you're discarding the, the idea that there is such a thing as a poor customer? No, I think there is a poor customer. What I heard you just describe, however, was an environment set up for, for to get, generate that type of, there's so many things in that example, which was just yeah. right. Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Tipping Point, yeah. was about creating the environment that causes the behavior. And he used New York as an example, the subway. By the way, so, this is in New York City. <laughs> what was that? This you live in New York, in New York City. City. Yes. Well, so this was, you know, in the 90s, New York had a dramatic turnaround. And a lot of it was exactly what you're saying, broken window syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. So in the subways, you know, I think it was in the 80s where there was the vigilante and, you know, he killed somebody. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, Absolutely. So you had two, three things going on, right? So you had everything was graffiti everywhere. Yeah. And the turnstiles were such that people were just jumping them Mm -hmm. rather than paying. And the moment you have that, you know, behavior follows, there's a whole thing that our brain likes to make decisions we've already made right by following in the same pattern. And you'll see someone who's trying to do sales as a tactic and they want you very quickly, they'll ask you questions that you're going to say yes to because the moment you say yes, you want to follow in that behavior, Mm -hmm. right? And they lead you into something. That's like a manipulative sales process. Sure. Well, it's the same thing, a broken window syndrome. You know, what they changed, and you know this, you living there, you know, they started one car at a time removing graffiti, and as soon as the graffiti was off, they kept it off. That's right. They changed the entrance so that they were wall-to-wall. You had to pay to get in. You no longer could jump. Yeah. Um, and they increased the visibility of police, right? That, that was it. Same with... You know, some of the communities like Harlem, they started break, fixing broken windows, took off graffitis, had more visible presence. And as soon as you create the environment that gives people who were being, the reality is we all respond to our environment. So um, in your case, in that store, that is empowering people to create an environment that it's not a mess. And if somebody creates a mess, it's immediately cleaned up. So shifting the focus. Yeah. And you created environment that people show up differently. I think I that think, also teams. No, I appreciate that. I don't think that um, the store is like that all the time. I think when the, you have a mad rush because it's the day before school starts, you need all the supplies, and you have a bunch of unruly kids who are being allowed to run through the place, and their parents are not keeping control of their children. And you say to one parent, um, could you please have your kids stop doing that? It's all over. It's sure. all over. It's down sure, you- quickly. You could have it if this happens and it's happened before. So now you start predicting that, you know, listen, it happened. Yeah. And however it happened, I would be having a team huddle after that. Say, okay, what worked, what didn't work? Right. And how can we be creative with this? So instead of doing that, how could you redirect the kids? You know, so it's like maybe you have the team are out and they're loaded down with fun things kids can do or free things they're giving away that's going to keep them amused for a few minutes while mom and dad are shopping. Yeah. You know, there's a creative way of dealing with that, that you start harnessing that energy. And then all of a sudden you become known as a place. You know, it's funny, you know, who does that really well is Ikea. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. has a play place for kids while the parents shop. So does like, I mean, McDonald's does the same thing to some extent in Burger King with their little play palaces. But 
Ikea does a really good job. They have a specific place for kids to play, run around. Because up if the if the kids are left running around up around, I imagine it's uh it's quite chaotic up there because they're like right. bedrooms and all that stuff. Hmm. Yes. And and Ralph, to go back to your first question, is there such a thing as a poor customer? I absolutely. You yeah. know, when I when you, you're targeting, you, you want to target and build your business and your business model around your best fit customer. Now you'll have other customers that will come in, but you really need to know who your audience is, what's important to them, what solutions do you create for them, so your languaging is appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like you have to deal with customers that are not your right fit, but they're, they're, they're still there. So there's training on how to diffuse something. Um, you know, um, uh, my local police force talking about the riots and everything that's going on right now. Uh, I live in a small town just outside of Toronto, Canada, and my local police force has um, hired a company that offers virtual reality training for police. Oh, fun. And it's a VR, so, so they, they have, and I don't remember the detail, but they have three different scenarios, one of which was dealing with like a young adult, an autistic young adult. Mm -hmm. And the police go through and respond and react, and I think their metrics, their heart rate, all this stuff, but they're actually evaluated based on whether they diffuse or inflame the situation. And the next thing is, and once they've handled, they've got that, then they go through the experience as the victim as the person oh interesting because the moment you have experience in the shoes of the other person now you can have empathy and relate to them in a different way mm -hmm. you know that part of the thing and it's back to bad customers right now um everyone's i'm going to go back to the five different um stages of grief sure is most of us are actually overreacting to things because of all of the rest of the stuff that's going on. And so if you can, if you've got someone in front of you that's kind of inflamed, right, upset, wants to fist fight, if you can come at them with empathy and appreciate where they are, rather than judging them for, you know, what their actions are about to say, um, there's a, you have a huge opportunity to diffuse that and create an outcome you actually want rather than escalating. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I like that too. I like, that's one of the problems with training managers is when you're training a new manager, there's a lot of soft skills that you have to go over. You have to learn. And, and the only way to, to really, well, not the only way, the best way to get comfortable with dealing with uh, unhappy employees and difficult situations is to actually have to deal with an unhappy employee in a difficult situation. Absolutely. But you can't always do that when you're training a man. It's not like a car. Like if I, I always use the example of if I were to shoot, you know, if you were training on how to build a car, I bring you over to this machine and this is how we stamp out this piece of metal. And we give you a piece of metal and you push the button and then we go to this other machine and this is how you stamp out this. And you push the button, you put the gun. In management, you can't go, all right, so we have to, you know, one thing you haven't written off your list yet, you haven't written anybody up yet. So let's go get somebody upset at us. Oh, I know who we can tick off and they'll they'll be irate and it'll be funny because <laughs> then you can write them up it doesn't work that way right, right. so the only thing that we have then in the, in the alternative is storytelling mm -hmm. and so it's the power of storytelling going well this is a situation that happened to me once and this is what i thought was going on and then this is what they thought was going on and then this is what i did and this is what they did and you know so it's through that path of trying to be 
trying to learn empathy through storytelling, through trying to figure out not only what was happening prior, but what happened as a result of whatever action we took. Because I can't tell you how many times we take an action. I think it's going to go one way and it goes completely different. And mm-hmm. sometimes it goes, I think it's going to go terrible. Mm-hmm. And it went perfect. It's like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the other side, of course, I think it's going to be a no big, no, it's not going to be a big deal. It's not a big, and it blows up. And like, what? I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. Because when you're managing people and you're working with people, whether they're employees or customers, as you know, you know, I, most, most employees, when something is wrong, they don't bring me just the problem, right? They wrap it in disdain and hate and side of aggression. And they give it all to me at once. And so I'm dealing with an awful lot. To your yes. point, you were just saying, you know, it, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's the, the root is you don't even know what the root of the problem is. You're just getting that outward. Yes. You have to get through the smoke screen. You know, because we're uncomfortable, right? We're uncomfortable giving bad news. We're uncomfortable dealing with something that's not working. There's a discomfort. And so, you know, with complaints in a business, one of the things for me with complaints in a business is I want you to cultivate. I want you to hear. You need to create such a safe environment for your team and your customers that they're willing to say everything that's not working. That's talking about setting them up to win. Um, because that some of the best information you're going to get is from what's not working yeah. and you don't know that because looking from your perspective, you won't know unless you get the feedback. And it's the same, I think with your, same with your team, it's the wrapped in this stuff in this smoke screen because we're so uncomfortable dealing with nuts, not working or, or worried that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, I had, I love what you said, Ralph, because I think stories are important. Back to the VR, it's experience. And when you yeah, have an experience, right. experience yeah. that doesn't go away. Um, I, I also like, I've, I've kind of, my management style, if you will, is um, uh, to reinforce what is working first. So if I have to deliver bad news to someone or I have to give a corrective um, directive to somebody, I start with identifying very specifically what's working and it can't be, you're just so good with people because that <laughs> sounds like fluff, right? It has to be, you're not running for office, right? You're yeah. not running for, yeah, it has to be very tangible. Like, listen, I watched you with Mrs. Smith and she came in upset and unsure and concerned. And I watched her, you just sat down with her, took her aside, sat down with her, was fully present, walked her through and she left with a smile on her face. I just, I really want to acknowledge that you were just excellent. You really understood where she was. You didn't get tagged in. It really great. I just appreciated what you did. Yeah. Now I'm, 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 we're talking today because, you know, the challenge we're having is that you're showing up late consistently, you know, for your shift. And the reason that's an issue is because we count on you. You know, when we create a schedule, it's like our, the whole team works because we're in our right spots at the right time. And, and if you're not there, even if it's five to 10 minutes, we're, we're, you know, it's, we're adjusting to that. And I don't think that's fair. So let's talk about, you know, what are ways, is there something we can need to shift? What are ways, you know, do you need to change your morning routine? You know, it's kind of like, so we talk about what's working, what's not working, and then set clear expectations. But I find if we start worth with, first with what is working, then when we talk about what's not working, people aren't taking it like they're wrong or bad, which is where you get a lot of reaction. Instead, they're going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, 
I'm a good person. You value me here. And all right, this is just something we have to fine tune. Yeah. A million percent. I could not agree with you more. It is unfortunately not always so easy to do. You know, I used to, I used to um, have a big problem with, but when I, when I first got into my current role of, of training managers, I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps and in the mm. Marine Corps, we're very good at beating you up for days over the single mistake that you did. And so, you know, you adopt that kind of mentality where you just constantly are reiterating what you did yesterday. Or, you know, remember last week, you know, and, and the person, of course, is like, uh, that was last week. Could we move on? <laughs> but if you don't learn to do, to move on from that, it doesn't, you don't allow your employee to move on from that. And it, it can be devastating. And, you don't let, if you don't let your customer move on from that, I've seen a lot of people be able to defuse some, you know, some uncomfortable situations with customers simply by saying, no, I totally understand what you were saying. I know it, it didn't come off like that to me at first, but I understand it now. Let's just move on. That ability to just say, I'm willing to let that go so we can just mm -hmm. keep moving on forward. Mm -hmm. Big, big results. Good results, too. Like, mm -hmm. it, that's, that's really, it's hard. It's hard. Yes. Well, what I've what I found with, with with managing team members is that if I can't acknowledge them for something, I can't give them feedback because I'm upset, and I have to get myself grounded and get off being judgmental before I can actually, unless I want to fire them. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. But until I can, and I have this 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 talking about stories, I have an experience that really stays with me. It's always in the background. And I had to, I had an account manager that I had to give feedback to that in a, the workshop, she either came across as incredibly empowering or a black hole. Like suck the life out of the room kind of thing? The whole room. Yeah. Yeah. So, and really I, I had to sit with what, you know, what, so I got to the place and when I sat down with her, it's like, so here's what I've noticed. It's like you're, you are so powerful. Your energy is so powerful that when you're on, you create space that everyone steps into powerfully. And when you're off, it's a black hole and it drains the whole room. So I said, so what I'd like to talk about is that your awareness of that, especially when you're in the workshop and how, what are ways that you can either both be aware and channel it so you're the one in charge. We had a fantastic combination uh, conversation but if that hadn't come out she was going to be fired ah yeah that is that is really good I, I think that i think that's super smart and it's it's very challenging to do especially you know one one thing that it reminds me of is you've you're you're talking like a seasoned pro right like you've clearly have had experience with all kinds of situations like this and you have gone through it and I was just recently working with a young lady who just got promoted, mm -hmm. legitimately just got promoted. And one of the first things I was saying, I was saying, you know, congratulations, you know, so how did you find yourself here? And she did not know. She's like, I'm not sure. She's like, you know, I mean, I guess they like what I'm doing and they think that I'm smart enough and capable enough. See, she doesn't have the internal belief. Mm -hmm. Others believe in her. Others see stuff in her. So that's great. And she's taking that. And then, I follow up a week later and I talk to her boss and she says, 
I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not getting what I need. I'm still, you know, it, I don't know that it's going to work. And it just slammed me so hard because I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I realized the person who had promoted and trained her was really new. See, right. she was too new to understand what she should be, could be reasonably expecting from this new manager, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not, you can't expect them to be the seer of seers, be the most patient, have, have the most understanding. She's not us. She hasn't been doing this for 20 years. This is her legit first time where anyone's believed in her more than herself. Mm-hmm. And you've got to taper your expectations to the manager, those new managers. And I think that that is, uh, comes across really, really clear with you how, how much you've been doing this for a long time. And I wonder if you see that where you see you're working with a new team, especially in customer service, and they've never been anything but a customer. So they don't even know what it's like. They don't even know that they have the ability to make rules and changes and what they do affects the the buyer. You know what I mean? Like they don't know. So. Yeah, there's a couple things in that, um, Ralph. One is, I I think you're spot on. And it's important. The awareness of what you're saying is so important because there's a mindset shift. There's a mindset shift from being a customer to being someone who's delivering service to a customer to being a manager who, who manages a team of people. Each of those are a really mindset shift. And there was an article I read online years ago now, like 20 years ago, and it was called A Curious Phenomenon. And, and the article was, by virtue that we are all customers, we all should be experts at delivering customer service. Should but be. the funny <laughs> thing happens when we cross the counter and the moment we cross the counter, we completely forget what it's like to be the, be the customer when we're delivering. We just think from your, our, right? It is the same thing with management. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same. And, and, you know, in your particular, when you're talking about people that are first promoted to managers, because not only are they not aware, but it's a pivotal, it's a crossing the aisle position. When you're doing the work of the business, you're part of this camaraderie and you're, you know, the, and hopefully the management treat you well, but you've got this camaraderie. The moment you shift into management, you now represent the company to the team. You are the company to the team and you have to shift your positioning. You can't be the buddy, buddy, beer on Friday, trash the company. You can't, none of that stuff. You have to shift because you're now holding the space for the team you manage. Yeah, that company that you had problems with and disliked is now you. Yes, and yes. everyone has a problem and dislikes you sometimes. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is, this, is a, this is a fun conversation. So who is your, who is your target audience? Like, are you looking for more clients and who are they? Who, who, would, who would be your target client? So I, um, I work with uh, small, mid-sized companies that... Specific industry? Um, is there... No, all different industries. Mm-hmm. I've worked with all different industries, mostly brick and mortar, interesting enough. I've, I've certainly had a focus with brick and mortar. I spent about 10 years working with independently owned pharmacy owners in the States. Oh. Because really, they're in an unfair market. They're, they are in an unfair market. They have to submit their patient data to their competitor. And then their competitor, you know, undercut them. 
with uh-huh. false information. So it's literally, if they think they're selling, if they think their business is selling um, med- medications, they're going out of business. If they think their business is providing as a healthcare hub for their community and knowing specifically how, where do they, fo- are they focused on diabetes patients, uh, families with young children, you know, what's their focus and what solution or value do they create? Then they're thriving. And so yeah. I work with companies a lot of times that have built a traditional business and they're literally being squeezed out of business right now because they think what they sell is their business, their product or service. And my argument is that's just a vehicle for you to create value in the marketplace. We have to shift their business model to the value they create, communicate that, and their team has to create an aligned experience. And then they're thriving. That's really smart. I like that a lot. You know who does that? who started doing that a, little, a bit ago really well was Home Depot mm-hmm. where they realized that nobody, nobody goes to Home Depot to buy a drill. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to Home Depot because they need a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, yeah. a, that's a whole different set of circumstances. And then they went, wait a minute, what do they need that hole in the wall for? And wait a minute, what if we taught our, what if we treated our customers like they are students? So now we can offer classes on how to redo your own bathroom, how to redo the driveway, how to steal the this, how to do that. All of a sudden, they started offering these classes, mm-hmm. and it just expanded. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're no longer a place to buy a drill if you need a hole. They're a place mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. how to refurbish your house, how to mm-hmm. redo your driveway, how to. And if you don't want to do it yourself, they have the whole Home Depot they services that qualify, pre-qualified, guaranteed. That's right. You know, because that's, again, one of the rules of thumb is our customers don't even know the questions to ask to make an informed decision. And that's one of the things that we have to set up with your team. And this would be true for your managers, even though, even though if they used to do the job that they're now managing a team doing, um, uh, you have to remember the people doing the job are kind of the experts in their role, even if you used to do it. So thinking from what they need, shifting that mindset. And, and for, for customers, we tend to come from the point of view that everyone knows what we know and they don't. So sometimes just asking probing questions that guide someone to make an effective decision that they're happy with is a huge amount of value, but we forget and we think, oh yeah, the, it's on the shelf, it's on roll, whatever, B, and we don't even know how to make a decision on that. I... I I totally agree. I think that is so smart. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. And I really really loved having loved talking with you. You're you're super engaging and, and smart. And one of the things that I'm really taking away from this is the idea that when you started when you started working at that bookstore, you had a manager who had the wherewithal to say it's fine to chew gum and have conversations with each other when nobody's in the store. But as soon as somebody's in the store, you got to stop that and be 100% focused. And then to see the results of that action on the bottom line, you guys doubled your revenue. To take that full, full you know, forward, however many years ago that was, maybe five years ago, you look very young. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nowadays, with kids at the dinner table not putting their phone down, Yes. They are, they are, you know, if there's one thing to tell parents, like one little piece of information, go, hey, by forcing them 
to stay present at the dinner table will enable them to stay present at work. Yes. Will enable them to be more successful because right now you go to the store. I went to the store to buy coffee and had to wait for the guy to stop playing with his phone to look up to see that I was standing there. There yes. was no bell for me to ring. I didn't want to go, hey, you. So instead, I stood there and watched him play with his phone. Mm -hmm. He had no concept that when he's at work, he's at work, right? You're at the dinner table, be at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. Put the phone down and engage or put the phone down and listen. But when you, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's one of the biggest lessons that, that you really showcased here. And I really appreciate it. It was really a, really great, really great conversation. So thank you very much. And thank how, you. I'm sorry, how would people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Um, so the best way is my website, which is pattymara.com and it's P-A-T-T-I-M-A-R-A.com. And um, Ralph, if you like, we created a direct URL. So for anyone that's on, um, anyone that's listening, any of your podcast listeners, um, I created a touchpoint scorecard and it's really targeted for businesses with their clients to identify the touch points and evaluate the experience. It's, it's a tool to help you put yourself in your customer's shoes. Oh, that's fun. But it could be very easily adapted because um, all of them are editable. The you could choose different versions and all of them are editable. So you could also do the same thing with the team you're managing. And what are the touch points in the experience you're creating and is aligned with what you want your team to be doing. So you could very easily adapt it as a, as a management tool. But um, so it's pattymara.com forward slash Ralph Peterson. Oh, very if, if you go to there, then you can, there's a video training. Again, it's, it's really geared to customer um, businesses with their customers, but you can absolutely adapt. And there's, you know, there's information on a Facebook group and to where we have much more diverse discussion. You can ask questions, all of that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so great of you. Thank you so much. And thank you again so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate being asked. Thank you so much, Ralph. I enjoyed the conversation. Good. Thanks. Be well.